It's very easy to see someone's pictures on Instagram and think, wow, they have it all figured out. Oh, they're leading this work. Oh, this is what they talk about. They don't have any challenges. We all got challenges. We all have Mm -hmm. our shit. We all have our triggers, our core wounds. And so the first mm, three years of our relationship felt like an ayahuasca journey, like Mm -hmm. pretty nonstop. Like it felt like we were in the trenches. We both had a lot of early childhood wounding from abuse that we had to work through and we were choosing to do it together. And sometimes Ani looked very much like the enemy and perpetrator to me and vice versa. That was the reality I was creating in my mind because I needed to play out some of those things that I never got to work out with my mother. Mm-hmm. And so we, we come into these relational contexts with people and we project onto them. So I think the first part of, you know, working through conflict is becoming aware of our operating system, the, the, the ways that we respond, react, the thoughts that we have about things, the emotions that arise, the sensations we experience, the more we can create intimacy with ourselves. And in these moments of conflict, if we have capacity, if not after, once we're in a more regulated state. What I often do is I'll go back and I'll look back at the conflict and I'll say, okay, what do I think really happened there? Like, is the way I'm viewing this, is it the objective truth or is it my subjective reality based on my wounding, my projections, my narratives about what he always does or what he never does? And I'm air quotes, right? And I'll go back and I'll do like a retrospective and I'm like, okay, what worked really well about how I showed up? What what am I proud of? What do I want to celebrate? Was there a moment where I chose to do something different that really helped us move toward connection? And I'll I'll say that I always look at this in terms of what's my goal. If my goal is connection, then I can create, I can, you know, assess what's happening inside of me. And if those things are getting me closer to that goal, sometimes my goal is to be right. Sometimes my goal is to make him wrong. And it's not a conscious goal, but sometimes I can see my behaviors are trying to make that happen. Mm-hmm. But if my goal and my intention is connection, then I might look and say, okay, is how I showed up aligned with helping us create connection? Yes, in these places, no, in these places, in the places where it's no, what would I do differently next time? And I actually come up with new solutions. What we have to do as humans, because when we experienced these wounds in childhood, we had no choice but to respond however we did, which is what became our trauma response. Mm -hmm. We have to create a new set of options for ourselves as adults. Unless there's a new possibility for how we can act, 
when our partner yells at us or calls us a name or does this thing that really triggers us, then we're going to keep going back to the default. So we have to create a new set of options for ourselves. And that's why doing a little retrospective after the conflict is over, when we can look at things with a clear mind and heart is really helpful for us building new options for us the next time that thing happens. And then when we do that, being able to have a conversation with our partner about that, Hey, what do you want to celebrate about yourself? What do you want to be acknowledged for and acknowledging them? Mm-hmm. What do you, what would you do differently next time? And just holding space, not saying like, yeah, you really do need to do that differently. Holding space and then communicating the same things about, you know, how you showed up. What would you celebrate? What would you do differently? Mm-hmm. And then having an honest conversation and creating a solution together. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. The, um, what's really worked for us is, is similar. It's like, um, looking at how we, uh, interacted in the conflict and at, and like talking about what we want to do differently next time. And so the, a, a couple of examples are like when things start to get heightened and we're raising our voices, like one of us says, like, we need to stop and take 10 breaths. And if we need to go in different rooms or we need to hang up the phone and do that, uh, or we can do it together, but like stopping and taking 10 breaths. And one way that we always know we need to do that is if we're starting to talk over each other, because that means we're not even listening to each other. Um, and I'll give him credit for creating that, that boundary for us. Uh, cause he's the one that came up for, came up with it. But, um, another thing when it comes to the repair that has been really helpful, um, I think is that like once things have settled, Sometimes it's, you know, the day after or a couple of days is just asking like, what, how could I have done that better? Like to each other, because in hearing, hearing it and like hearing the need on why it's like, it brings empathy, but it also is like, oh, like not that it's self-shaming, but it's like, oh, I could have, I could have done that better. You know, just hearing how we could have met each other's needs better in that way. Um, And I, it really helped me to hear someone had said on a podcast that it takes after conflict, it takes like four days for the body. This was true for them. Uh, it takes the body like four days to return to homeostasis. And I think for me after conflict, and I don't want to like stick to that to where I'm like, well, I'm not going to be okay for four days and like hold that as my truth or anything. But what's helped me is that I, I tend to instantly want after conflict, like instantly want re- reassurance, and like words of affirmation. And that doesn't always come organically. So to just tell myself, like, you know, it's going to take a couple of days until we're back in our groove. It's fine. Like everything's okay. And just knowing that, like, it's going to be okay. It takes a couple of days because without me telling myself that I, I get in this like loop of like the conflict's not over, you know, we're still, we're not reassuring each other. And then that gets scary for me. Yeah. Yeah. I love the approach that you're taking in this. I acknowledge both of you for being willing to go there and like look back and give yourselves feedback and give each other feedback. Something that I'll do from a a somatic perspective is I'll just imagine the wall around my heart melting Mm. because I can feel the tension when I'm triggered or activated and Mm. it's, it's a tension in my chest. So I'll actually imagine the tension in my body melting because when we're closed, we're not only closed to our partners, we're closed to ourselves. And so, you know, something that's important to remember is like, is there a way somatically and emotionally that we can come back into opening and full connection with ourselves and the extent to which we choose to let our partner into that 
great. We can, we can be the, the gatekeepers of that, but we, when we stay closed, we also stay close to ourselves. So any ways in which people can, whether it's going for a walk, taking breaths, doing uh, meditating, doing a yoga class to come back into that sense of full opening with self, it makes it so much easier for us to be receptive to our partners. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. That, that is a beautiful, um, somatic approach that it, that's a powerful tool. Thank you for offering that, that invitation. Mm-hmm. So I have one more question, uh, before pivoting towards the more erotic, uh, topic topics and it's, um, identifying our flags, like our, our red, our yellow, our green. I saw you, I've, I've, you know, thought of red flags and green flags. I never thought of yellow flags and I saw that on your site. So I I know that that helps make more grounded decisions in dating, just knowing what you're available for and what you're not. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe you can talk about how to identify those red, yellow, and green. And also how, like, cause there is like the truth to like, everyone does have red flags, you know? So how to not like, just run the instant you see, cause it could, for me, it could turn into, um, like, I feel like in the entrance of our relationship, we probably both could have run away in the first week. Had we like really stuck to it too, too much, you know? So yeah, just how to navigate that, having those red, yellow, green flags, and then how to apply them in dating. Yeah. I, I you know, I think your point's spot on, which is that these are guidelines. These are not hard and fast rules. Mm-hmm. we're still very dynamic humans living a very dynamic experience and people have bad days sometimes and, you know, people are going through things. So it's important to a- apply a layer of compassion for ourselves and others when we're assessing someone against like a very, you know, one dimensional rubric of something because we're, we're very multidimensional beings. So that's the first thing I'll say. The second thing is it is, it's really helpful to have values by which we operate in dating, in relationships with ourselves, with others. And so if we simply break that down into red, yellow, and green flags, red flags are the things that are like very cautionary signs. Like if a person, ourselves included, displays this quality, it's indicative of they're not being compatibility or they're being a values misalignment in how we operate. So for mm-hmm. a lot of people, I know red flag is dishonesty, lying. Mm-hmm. So if they withheld information or they lied. Now the caveat to that, which is makes this just a guideline and not a hard and fast rule for some people, for some people, this is a hard and fast rule is my curiosity. If someone is displaying a red flag is, huh, I get curious as to what's underneath that. So if someone lies to me about something, I'm like, hey, was there something in our relational space that caused you to feel like you needed to lie to me? Mm-hmm. What was that for you? Right? Because it's to me, it's less about the lie and what motivated the, the dishonesty in the first place. Was it something on his end? Was it something that happened between us? Like, So I like to get deeper when I'm seeing some of these red and yellow flags pop up. Mm-hmm. And I like to understand what's underneath that. So Red flags are like, you know, it might be gaslighting. It might be um, dishonesty. It might be someone who really goes against their word when they've given you their word on something multiple times and they mm-hmm. aren't staying true to it. Right? These are these are some things that people may have as a red flag. Yellow mm-hmm. flags are caution lights on the way to red, just like a yellow light. It's like, okay, maybe we need to slow down and take a look at this quality. Like this is 
kind of raising a little bit of activation or trigger inside of me. Let me ask what this is about. Let me ask myself what's happening inside of me so I can take personal responsibility for my own perception of this situation. And then let me ask him what's happening for him and see if we can get underneath that together. Um, Some people's yellow flags, you know, might be, um, you know, someone like consistently showing up late to something. And it's like, Hey, that might be indicative of something that would be a red flag, but let me find out what's happening there. Mm-hmm. Then we have green flags, which are the things that we're not taught to look for, which is like, wow, what are all the signs of compatibility here? Maybe it's someone who is very forthcoming with what they've been through, or they do take the risk of being honest about something that's very vulnerable for them because they want intimacy and connection, even if they're risking us rejecting them. That might be a green flag. A green flag might be a man showing up as very consistent and reliable, as very steadfast, as a place where you feel very safe to be yourself in all facets. These are all some of my green flags and highest values in relationships. And so that's sort of how this flag system works. And this is all based on our own personal values. And, you know, again, I like to ask questions about this and let it be a dynamic conversation because this isn't hard and fast, but it's like, okay, this is a a rubric for me to check for compatibility. And I also like to see where I might have red, yellow, or green, green flags within myself so that I can clean up any incongruency so that I'm naturally attracting men who display a lot of green flags. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Uh, I know you hear so much about red flags and I feel like we just started to see, um, from a lot of relationship experts posting about green flags. And, um, I love, I love your perspective of like what's underneath it. Like what, what's actually ha- with the dishonesty, especially like what, why is it not safe for you to tell the truth? Basically, like not not putting all of the responsibility on you, but actually presenting that in a way to where you're able to um, really see what's underneath it and what the root is. That's really beautiful. Thank you for that perspective. So pivoting a a little bit into our closing topic, um, I'd love for you to talk about what existential erotica is. Oh, absolutely. Can I read a piece? Yeah. All right. This is like a a three minute read. So. Because I I think I'll I'll share about what it is after people hear it, because hearing it, it, I think, is so rich. Okay. Let's see. All right. So if anybody's listening, I invite you to close your eyes unless you're operating a vehicle. Then keep Mm -hmm. your eyes open, of course. And take a slow, deep breath in and out. He commanded I be waiting for him on my knees in lingerie. Come home directly. Shower, put on lingerie and wait for me on your knees. I read his text excitedly just as I was leaving the gym. I got the assignment. It was very clear. He told me exactly what to do, where to be, how to be, and when. His direction sent chills up my spine. I relaxed into my body and prepared to surrender to what was next. I showered, put on lingerie, and waited for him on my knees. He came out silently, asked me to set an intention, then blindfolded me. Mm 
Nervous anticipation immediately set in. What was going to happen? Where would he touch me? How would he touch me? Would it be gentle? He could sense my mind was racing as my body tensed up. He cued me. Take a deep breath. Surrender into yourself. Make it safe to be in your body. Create so much safety that you find pleasure in the unknown. His words alone brought tears to my eyes. I could feel how much he cared and how deeply attuned to me he was. Masterful is how I describe him. He touched me gently, first with his hands, placing an open palm on my chest and upper back, grounding me energetically, letting me know I was safe. Then he kissed and caressed different parts of my body, allowing me to become receptive and to open at my own pace. When he sensed I was ready, he graduated to the flogger, alternating between gently dragging and draping it over my skin and then striking with the exact intensity I crave. The kind of intensity that shakes me out of the slumber, out of the numbness and disconnection I sometimes find myself in. He cued me again, breathe, create safety inside yourself. Can you find pleasure in the unknown? In not knowing what would come next, I burst into tears. I felt so exposed, so vulnerable, so naked in every way. With him, there's no hiding. He sees and penetrates every part of me. It's what I've always longed for. His presence fills an existential void I thought could never be satisfied. A hunger I thought could never be satiated. I yearn for this kind of penetration, and yet it's the scariest thing I've ever felt. To be so fully seen and known, unable to hide, but rather to have company in the cavernous dwells, in the cavernous depths where all of my emotions dwell. He sits there with me, holds me, invites me to my edges. It's the most exquisite, sensational, terrifying experience of life. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I am so grateful for how he holds me. Through him, I get to know myself. Mm. Just so, want to like sit with that for a little while longer. It's so delicious. And I love, um, I know you're about to answer what existential erotica is. I love, um, you know, if I had heard you say that a year ago before being in this partnership, there would have been almost like a sadness and a, a longing within me. And so it's really beautiful to read that and to feel like I'm experiencing it. And, and that everything you've talked about in this episode is how I arrived to that place in relationship. So it's like the perfect closure topic for the show. It's like the welcome into your new chapter, like the little yeah. initiation piece. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we don't arrive at this place by accident. Yeah. So I know if you're telling me you're experiencing that, you've done a lot of work. Oh. And so has he. And you're going to continue doing a lot of work and play together. And mm -hmm. that is what creates this, this 
way of living, this way of being, this lived experience of existential erotica. And when I think of the erotic and erotic energy, it is a sense of aliveness. I don't always think of it as sexual. Sexuality is a part of eroticism. Eroticism as a whole is our sense of aliveness and engagement with life. It is our life force energy, our creative energy. It is the energy that animates us and creates our personality and our preferences and our desires and all the quirks about us. That is our eroticism. And when I think of existential, this is the thing that brings us into contact with our humanity, with us getting to know ourselves. And we get to know ourselves through our relationship to people and things. If we were alone in a black hole, we would not know ourselves. We only know ourselves in relationship to people, places, and things. Mm -hmm. And so this is the way of relating and being that brings us into contact with our deepest humanity, our deepest desires, our deepest longings, our deepest fears, our deepest pains, our deepest joys and pleasures. And when we can create that in relationship, we feel alive. We feel filled up and satiated. And that's the, the foundation of this, this genre that I like to write in, which is existential erotica. Yeah. Oh, it's so yummy. I love that. It's it. The, um, there were multiple parts where my body really had chills. And, um, when you, when you talked about the safety and when you talked about, uh, the safety of the unknown, especially, uh, and I've, I've held this like fantasy of, um, being flogged by someone that I feel safe with. And I haven't experienced uh, I have not done that yet. Uh, Judd's looking into <laughs> what flogging uh, stick to get, but, uh, and it's, it's, you know, it's on our list of things that we want to experience together, but there's something about that, uh, with a partner that's safe that just, oh man, it feels like a surrender to the unknown and like a, uh, you're so, it also feels like you're so put into your body um, so I loved that part specifically. And then I also loved your perspective on what erotica is. I do feel that it's not the same as sexuality. And I've, I had Mark Gaffney on who wrote the erotic and the holy. And, you know, that whole book is about how sexuality models the erotic, but so much in our culture, we confuse the two and, uh, we're demystifying it. Yeah. 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 I love that. Thank you for the space to share that story that, um, mm -hmm there really is a complete surrender and letting go in these spaces within ourselves and within a, a really safe feeling partnership that is the experience I, I think all women yearn for. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's the one that we also resist the most, because like mm -hmm. I said, in this piece it is the most exquisite and terrifying experience I've ever had. It's both. It's not, just blissful. It's also freaking terrifying because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's on the other side of this. And there is a, a big extension of faith and trust in that. And there's so much divinity in that sweet space of faith and trust where we experience ourselves in ways that we don't typically experience ourselves in the day to day. Yeah. And so it's, it's a, it's a merging with God. Oh, 
Yes, that's the best. The best uh, erotic and sexual experience is feeling merged with God, whether that's in our own practice or with a beloved. I think when you say the resistance and um, how it's like, maybe there's a resistance because what could happen? I think when I lean into that, my resistance that um, may still be in there is like, man, in those scenarios and that level of vulnerability, like you are fully allowing yourself to be seen. And Mm -hmm. if you're fully allowing yourself to be seen, that's where maybe some of your abandonment can come up because if they see all of you in your most vulnerable state, will they still desire you? Will they still want you? And so I think for me, that's where some of the, if I were to lean into like, what would I resist in that, in that moment? It would be, it would be that like, wow, everything is being seen, which is can feel scary for uh, if we were not chosen in the past or if, if who we were um, seen as was not okay or loved. Yeah. Right. You hit like the, the, the pot of gold there. That's the fear for all of us. If I really let someone in, if I really let someone see me, what if they don't like me anymore? What if they don't love me anymore? What if they don't find me desirable? And the practice for us on, on, on our spiritual path is, can I be so steadfast and unwavering with myself that even if there's something in me that they turn away from, I will still turn toward myself. Yeah. That's the deepest level of safety that we can create within. And when we actively find ways to practice that, because it is a practice, it's not like we just decide once and then it's done forever. When we actively find ways to turn toward ourselves, no matter what, no matter what we say or do, but turning toward ourselves, then we attract people and experiences and interactions where we let people in because what we want deeply is to be seen and known fully. Mm -hmm. And of course we want to know that the other person is going to be there on the other side of it, but we also want to know that we're going to be there on the other side of it. And so that's, Mm -hmm. I think, that's what my spiritual practice is about and my partner is included. And it's that practice that has led us to create experiences like that. Yeah. Same here. I think that the, the trust that I have with myself, that no matter what happens, I am able to hold myself through it. That removes so much fear because it's really the feeling that we won't be okay. That makes it so scary. But if we know that we like, we're not going to abandon ourselves and we can hold ourselves through any emotion and no emotion is too scary for us to, to, to hold and to be with instead of trying to push it away, then it makes, yeah, it makes everything. And like you said, you still want the other person to, to still be there on the other side, but at no matter what happens, if you are able to show up for yourself, man, that removes so much fear. So thank you for that. The, the closing question that I have before the lightning round that ends the show kind of goes with this, I think, but I don't know your answer. So it may not, but what does it look like to unleash our inner seductress? Oh, okay. <laughs> not a lightning round, right? Like I can give this a second. No, yeah. no the lightning <laughs> round is like a very, like, what's your favorite book? Like it's a quick, okay. <laughs> yeah, take your time on this. Our inner, okay. So for me, what this means, and, and I, I you're asking this question because I, I share content like this and I've, I've, this is a part of my teachings is really inhabiting the space inside of us where we allow ourselves to be seduced by life and where we seduce life. And I want to 
debunk the myth that seduction equals manipulation or sexuality or we have a lot of a lot of charge around the word seduction based on how it's portrayed in media based on how maybe we have used it or we've seen someone else use seductive energy the way i like to think of seduction is being in a really present engaged consensual exchange where there is a push and pull with something or someone, and it can even be with ourselves. So, you know, I might be in a seductive um, experience with nature and I'm like, wow, maybe I'm on a hike and it's, I'm in a densely forested area. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I am allowing this to pull me in. It is these trees, the smell of the fall leaves are engaging all of my senses. I'm literally being seduced like I'm, I'm drinking the nectar of this experience and it's replenishing me. And I, I keep wanting to see what's next. What's the next thing? How can I have just a little more? And so seduction can be a very, God, there's, there's like a feeling I'm feeling that I don't quite have a word for. Mm. I feel it. I feel it too. <laughs> It's like, I get it with certain trees. I get it like eating omakase sushi. Yeah. yeah. Like like it's that deep, rich, primal, primordial, like fundamental quality. I get it. I can see why you get it eating sushi. Like if something has that umami flavor where it's like Mm. deep, satisfying, like that's seductive to me. Like I, you know, I just started eating red meat again after like eight years of being vegetarian and that flavor of a steak when it's cooked perfectly. I'm like, Oh, like just drip. And so that is seductive to me. And we can use seductive energy as a way to attract. And when I think of the, the sort of most integrous way to be in our seductive energy, it goes all the way back to the beginning of our conversation, which is, am I operating in integrity with myself? And am I creating multiple opportunities to be turned on by this life that I'm living, by all the abundance that's here around me and within me, by all of the the gifts that I get to experience in my life and by virtue of the gift of who I am as a human, when I'm acting in alignment with that and when I'm appreciating that, when I'm in gratitude, I feel turned on. I could go out and stand in the sunshine and be like, damn, what a, a beautiful moment. That's seductive. Yeah. And so when, when we're operating in integrity, we feel good. We feel attracted to ourselves. We are attractive forces. We're naturally tapped into this inner seductress within us, which is mm-hmm. a sorceress. She is a magician. She can use the power of her mind and her intention to create her reality inside of her and mm-hmm. around her. And that's the power of the seductress. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And it's, that was something that was so turned off in me for so long because I grew up with so much religious programming with a Bible that starts off with the story of Adam and Eve, where a woman seduces a man and leads him to hell. Basically it was like the story almost that like was perpetuated throughout my childhood of what, um, of what, a woman is, she's a seductress. And that's something that we needed to cut off from ourselves. And so 
that was so suppressed in me. And you're right. So the seductress, it's not manipulative, but it is magical. And so that was also like the, the idea of magic was like cut off in me from that religious programming. And I, yeah, I mean, when I think about that part of me, the inner seductress being completely cut off. And I think about all the religion, all of the relationships I was in during that time, I'd say their, their number one complaint was that I never initiated sex because that seductress was so not there, but I also wasn't living that way in my life where I was creating my own reality and knowing the magic within. And once that all came online, which was just only been a couple of years, um, I started doing, I know you work in plant medicine, um, integration, I believe, or, um, something around that. And I started doing plant medicine. I think I did like 60 ceremonies in nine years and like unwound so much. I haven't done a, haven't done any ceremonies in about a year. And I'm really learning to do that work sober and through breath work and, and through dispensa type practices. But all of that was so unwound and it was so scary for me at first because I had associated it with, um, uh, manipulation, like you said, and, um, kind of even like a gimme, gimme energy instead of from an empowered, uh, magical, like, uh, I guess the best way is like what you said, like creating our own reality. And, and, uh, and I love, man, I love that it's, it's not bound to sexual experiences. Like you said, you feel it in nature. Yeah. I mean, I can feel it touching a tree. And so, Yeah. yeah. And something about that omakase is that like you, like you were saying before, the unknown, like you don't know what you're going to get next. And there's something so seductive about that. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for ending the call on that, uh, on that topic. It's, um, it's like a beautiful way to go out. Uh, so the lightning round that I ask everyone at the end of the show is three questions. The first one is if you could hug your younger self right now, what would you say? Ugh. First, my, my body just wants to do that and be like, I love you, baby girl. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I know I was looking at a picture of myself at like three or four yesterday and I just had so much love for her. That was exactly what I felt. If you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? The first book that comes up is The Power of Now. Hmm. Yeah. A New Earth was one of the first books that started my awakening. It was one of the first books I read in my awakening journey. If you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? You're perfect exactly as you are. Thank you. All right. If you can tell us how people can find you online, how they can connect to your work. I know you have something happening on the 16th, I believe. So if you can tell us how to sign up for that and all of the good stuff. Absolutely. So I'll start with that one. My partner and I are hosting a half day live virtual retreat that is absolutely free for women called Sexy Secure Love. And inside, we're going to be sharing with women and showing them how to create the kind of relationship that is deeply safe and ridiculously sexy. So for anyone that can join us live for that, we'd love to have you there September 16th. And the link for that is sexysecurelove.com. And uh, to connect with me, Instagram is the best social media platform. I'm at Lee Noto underscore L-E-E-N-O-T-O. My website is leenoto.com. And if you're curious to hear more about the Relationship School Aligned Attraction, uh, you can check out insidealignedattraction.com. 
Awesome. So for the, the, uh, half day workshop on the 16th, uh, is it women only and is it for single women and women in relationship or just, is it just single women? Great questions. Yes. This one is for women, uh, women only, and we're creating it that way so that there's a space for women to really unravel and pour out in the presence and company of other women. And then, uh, it is for, Women in all relationship constructs, so single and not actively dating, single and dating, dating someone in a more focused way or in a committed partnership. Yeah. Okay, great. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time. I know it was a long interview, but it was so juicy, so so meaty. And yeah, I'm so excited for the listeners to, to experience your magic. Hmm. So grateful that we got to spend this time together, Jade. Thank you for having me on. We have a question about how did you hear about this? They'll probably say like Untamed and Unashamed podcast or Jade Bryce or whatever. So Aligned Attraction is open enrollment, just like a university. So yeah, it's a, it's a one-year container for women. That's such a blessing. Thank you. So that's Aligned Attraction. And then the 16th is Sexy Secure Love. Thank you. It was such a pleasure. Ah. <sighs> I loved that, you guys. I felt like that had so much useful information, whether you're single or in partnership. And um, just to, to, I know I said this with her, but man, like, I guess it, it reminds me of yesterday. Like yesterday I was at the grocery store and I was buying uh, sea bass for myself. <laughs> just, you know, just like half a pound of sea bass to cook for myself. Uh, my man's out of town. So I still was like, yeah, it's on sale. I'm going to, I'm going to get it. I'm going to cook it for myself. And oh man, I sea bass is my favorite thing. It's so mouthwatering. I put some miso on it, but I realized the other day when I was or yesterday, when I was cooking it, like, man, I remember a time when I used to have to check my account before getting a dollar drink just to make sure I had money in my account for a dollar drink. And so, you know, being a single mom at 38, there's, there's so many times that I kind of like fall on the floor of like, God, this is hard. And like doing it all by myself is so hard. Paying for it all by myself is so hard. I have, and I've, I've been reframing how I speak about that, but having a moment like yesterday where I was buying myself sea bass and cooking it for myself not only the, the idea of like, wow, I didn't have to even think about the price of the sea bass, which is the most expensive fish at, at Whole Foods, but also the fact that I was loving myself enough to buy myself such a, such a delightful dinner and make it for myself. Like I just, I, I had this feeling of, wow, I've come so fucking far. I have come so far, not only in my provision, but in my relationship to myself. I didn't used to love myself that way. Uh, yeah. So I felt a lot of gratitude there and it is how I felt in this episode. I have, you know, I recorded another show called the magic hour for three years and I've now had this show for, uh, in December will, or November will be our hundredth episode and I'm going to have my beloved on. So stay tuned. So excited for that. And then share with you his story and then our story both so beautiful. But in, in that three year episode uh, of recording episodes on my previous show, and then in the almost hundred episodes of this show, I've interviewed so many women uh, and relationship uh, experts or empowerment uh, coaches, whatever, 
who, when I interviewed them, it was like, I was learning so much and it was like, oh, I can't wait to have that. Or, oh man, I really want that for myself. I really desire that in a relationship. And being able to interview her and knowing like, man, this is this, all this stuff works because I've done it. And I now have what you're talking about. That, that felt really special for me. So I really appreciate this episode and this guest and all of her wisdom and her, her, um, program aligned attraction. I have, I've really looked into every single model module and what she's teaching. And I'm telling you, it is, it is, it is how I attracted my King and how I attracted a man who does his work is emotionally available, fully shows up and holds me and, uh, had no fear of commitment. And so I highly recommend her program aligned attraction. Um, it's it's looking at her modules. It is what works. Uh, so yeah, let, let her know, uh, if you do sign up, let her know that you heard about her through this podcast. That always helps. Uh, it always helps guests know, um, you know, that, that being a podcast guest works and, and, uh, it encourages them to go on other shows and it, it helps me get, get guests as well. When, when, uh, when you let people know that, uh, you're signing up for their program because you heard them on a podcast. So, uh, there's that. And then don't forget, uh, she does have her, her free workshop on the 16th, sexy, secure love. Um, that sounds super exciting. And like she said, whether you're single or in partnership, it's, um, it's uh, suitable for you. And then you can also look at everything that I have offering right now on jade-bryce.com. I have a, a workshop, a 90 minute workshop slash masterclass on radical self love. So it is, um, it is all about committing to radical self love and feeling in your body when you're coming from love and when you're coming from fear, when you're coming from your mind and when you're coming from your heart, it'll basically be like a 45 minute teaching and then a 45 minute embodiment practice. It is something that is, uh, really, dear to my heart because so many of us approach the work and even approach listening to podcasts from a place of hidden self-rejection and how can I fix myself? How can I, how like treating ourselves like fixer uppers instead of realizing, um, instead of doing it all from a place of self-love and knowing that we are already worthy and, uh, doing it all from that place actually creates more transformation. As long as you're not like, doing the hidden, like I'm doing it for the transformation. You're doing it from a place of self-love because you want to love yourself and you want to be better for yourself. Uh, right underneath those links in the show notes, there's a link for cock worship. It's another thing I'm really passionate about and, and uh, gifting my partner with. I think it's incredibly healing for the man and for the woman. So much on that. I'm going to have the creator on soon. And then right under that link, there's the gene keys. I love gene keys. It is uh, a couple episodes ago, we had on someone for human design. Gene Keys is a lot like human design. It's a little bit more for me, a little bit more of a feminine, like uh, not so much a box, but like uh, you, you have to experience it for yourself. It's for me a lot more flow. I just love Richard Rudd, the man who created it. And um, you can really go into how to apply it to prosperity, to love, to your triggers. And so you can use that link. How do you even apply it to your dreams? So you can use that link to go there. If you click on 
that link to uh, purchase any of his programs. This show does get a small cut and it, it really does mean a lot, y'all. And then the last two affiliates, Pleasure Wands and Yoni Eggs at wands, W-A-A-N-D-S.com, code Jade for a discount there. I love my Jade Yoni Egg. I love my cervical wand. Um, I will have a masterclass on that in a couple of months and code Jade will get you a discount on any of those tools. Mine are outside right now. I just remembered because I charged them under the super blue moon. And then all things infrared at higher dose code Jade 75 for $75 off. I especially love their infrared face mask. I feel like that makes all the difference in my skin. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and being on this journey with me. It would mean so much if you'd leave a review or share this episode with a friend. If someone crossed your mind while you were listening, it's likely that they could benefit from hearing this episode and the information in it. So send it along. If you haven't left a review, it would mean so much, y'all. You can also join me on Instagram at Untamed and Unashamed Podcast. As always, be a light, stay open, and remember, you belong here. But we got what it takes for the circle.